This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Om Saram to our listeners. Welcome to Saturday News number 873. And today we'll be hearing part one of a talk given by Nikhil Kosik, of, uh, originally from Bangalore, India. And he has been a devotee of Swami since his childhood. Nikhil's uh, family has been associated with uh, Sri Satasai since 1943. Nikhil's uh, great-grandfather, Sri Rao, was the first official pujari of Swami. It was his family who actually started the Akhanda Bhajan in 1946, led by his grandmother, Srimati Sundararama. Now, Nikhil's family continued to uh, the annual uh, tradition of Akhand Bhajan for 25 years, after which uh, Swami declared it to be a global event. Nikhil did his uh, MBA in Puttapati. During these two years, he had numerous opportunities to interact with Swami. He currently uh, lives in Atlanta, USA, with his wife and daughter. So I am glad, Billy Moria. I offer my most loving and humble pranams. The Lord's Feet of our beloved Bhagwan Sri Sai Baba. So the topic uh, for today is uh, from Swami to Sai, and this was recorded uh, from Region 8 of USA. They had a discussion on the 24th of March this year. So let's hear part one. The title of our talk today is from Swami to Sai, and our speaker is Mr. Nikhil Koshik. Our interview today is Dr. Hyman Johnson. Sairam, Dr. Johnson, it is very good to see you again, sir. Sairam, Greg, it's happy to be with you and I'm glad to be with everyone in the region again. Uh, this evening, as Greg said, we are joined by Mr. Nikhil Kashik, but I think you already know that. Nikhil is from Bangalore, India, a city that I enjoyed very much during my very first visit there in 1980. Nikhil has been a devotee of Satya Sai Baba since childhood. His great-grandfather, Sri Sheshagiri Rao, was Swami's first official pujari, or temple priest, in Pata Mandiram, which is located near Bukapatnam, across from the Chitravati River. Led by his grandmother, Srimati Sundarama, it was Nikhil's family who started Akhandabhajans in 1946 one year before I was born. They continued the annual tradition of Akhanda Bhajans for 25 years until Sai declared that it should become a global event. Nikhil completed his MBA at the Sri Satisai Institute of Higher Learning in 2007. During his studies, he had numerous opportunities to interact with Sai. He currently lives in Atlanta, Georgia with his wife, Ashbini, and their eight-year-old daughter, Anvi. I'd like to add that just a couple of weeks before I knew that I would interview Nikhil, I listened to an interview on Radio Sai with Sri Mati Samantakamani Bashyam, who spoke about the origins of Akhanda Bhajans. During that interview, she made prominent reference to the role that Nikhil's grandmother played. So now I'd like to welcome you, Nikhil, to Region 8. Thank you, Dr. Johnson. 
Well, this evening, we will discuss Nikhil's topic, From Swami to Sai. Yet, as we begin and before we move into our discussion, I'm sure that our audience can benefit from a favorite or notable encounter you may have had with Swami during your two years of study in Parti, and that you could share with us. Sure. Let's start with a small prayer to Swami. Ni kirti jatamani anatinchina Swami. Having commanded me to spread your glory, please stay with me and speak through me, Swami. With this small prayer, I offer myself at Swami's Lotus feet and, and thank you once again, Dr. Johnson, for uh, having me and giving me this opportunity. Um, it's, a, it's a good question. My, my favorite moment or experience with Swami, thank you for asking that. Um, this Incident I can recollect was from 2011, February or March 2011, pretty much the same time of the year. Uh, the occasion was Shivaratri festival. Um, my mother, my aunt, myself and a friend of mine, four of us decided to go to Puttaparthi for Shivaratri festival. We reached there on the previous evening because we wanted to be early in the morning. You, you know how Shivaratri festivals are in Puttaparthi. The crowds are massive. Oh. And um, so we wanted to be uh, early to that and not really go late. So we went there the previous evening. We stayed overnight. And given the kind of crowds that we can expect, I was sure that if I'm not there right in the front or at least in the front few rows, I would hardly be able to see Swami. So on that morning, on Shivaratri morning, I woke up at 3 a.m. or so, and, and I wanted to be one of the first few people who enter the bhajan, Puttaparthi uh, Mandir, Prashantinagar Mandir. So I went there at around 4 o'clock, 3.30, 4 a.m. And uh, thankfully, I was one of the first people who entered Mandir. So the old students brought by then, I was an alumnus, so... You are typically made to sit in an old student's block there, which is not too much of a space, right? It's a pretty narrow space with a long width, which means if you're not there in the first few 10, 15 people, probably you will not get the first line or so. So you will miss an opportunity to see Swami uh, if he comes that way. So I managed to go there early on. So uh, thankfully, I was able to get in sooner and I got the front seat, the first row. I was very, very excited that on the Shivaratri day, I'll get to see Swami in such close quarters. Hopefully, he comes through the full circle so I can see him there. And uh, the wait began, right? You don't know what time Swami is going to come out for Darshan. Mm -hmm. So I, I sat there, I think, around 4 a.m. And it was about 9.30, 9.45 or 10 a.m. And, and Swami did not come out. And it so happened that that morning, Swami skipped the Darshan on the Shivaratri day. So I was uh, really disappointed because I was hoping that I could get some darshan and head back to Bangalore. I was not planning to stay back there for a long time. And I did not get a chance to see Swami. He never came out for darshan. Very disappointed, I must say. I went back and we somehow decided saying, hey, Swami did not come out for darshan. So why don't we extend the stay even for the afternoon darshan? And let's have the darshan. Let's, let, let's not go back without having the darshan. So we continued to stay there. And again, in the afternoon, I went there soon enough. By then, you know, a lot of people were already there. It's a lot more easier in the afternoon to come early for darshan. Mm -hmm. um, 
but still i managed to get the second row for uh, in in the darshan line and i was i was happy i could still see swami if he happened to come that way and now my only prayer was he comes out for darshan given mm-hmm. that he had skipped the darshan in the morning i was just hoping that he will come out for darshan and i'll i'll get a chance to see him that day thankfully um around 5 o'clock or so he came out and swami was out for darshan and he came out in the car and i was eagerly waiting trying to push as much as possible to get into that front row so that i get a close enough darshan and then he came straight across from the lady side passed on to the gent side of the aisle and and took a right turn the car took a right turn it is facing exactly where i am sitting right now um so it's we are i'm i'm facing i'm facing straight into swami's car and as the car was approaching somehow i was able to manage to squeeze and i pushed forward and sat in the front row i was like squeezing between two people but i somehow managed to sit there in the first row and now i was happy this is what i wanted i wanted to sit in the front row i wanted to swami come there swami is there it's it's the moment that i wanted and i could see from a distance that the car is approaching and as as the car was approaching i could see through the glass that swami was exactly staring at me and almost for about 5 to 10 seconds he kept looking straight at me through the glass from the car and i was very happy it was just not that i was seeing swami he was he was also seeing me and that was a perfect setting it was great he came in front and he had to take a right turn again to get into the mandir which means the car will pass right in front of me and as the car took that turn he started looking elsewhere and i thought that was the most opportune moment because right then it was the closest distance between swami and me and at that moment he started to look elsewhere and for a second i had this thought in my mind to say what really went wrong swami you were like you were looking at me why couldn't you just continue to look at me and and why could you just not look at the other side after you crossed but right at that moment when i was sitting there and looking at him he just threw a packet of vibhuti from inside the car and he was not looking at me he was in fact looking at somewhere else looking in a different direction but then he just threw a packet of vibhuti outside the window and it fell right in my hand and i was sitting like this and it just fell right in my hand and it was a very beautiful moment like you know the, the, he just never looked at me he used to look at me all the time he came till there and then he threw a vibhuti packet and then he just passed it was a very silent few seconds i would say or a minute or so but then just so much transpired i kept looking at him he kept looking at me and then he threw this vibhuti packet now that happened and and the car passed into the went into the mandir and i was very happy you know and and a lot of people around me were also saying hey he kept looking at you it looks like he just wanted to give you that vibhuti that's you're really lucky it was great so this was the whole incident and the reason i feel this is very special to me was like there were three three reasons reason number one i think getting vibhuti from swami on a shivratri festival day couldn't have been more auspicious than that um i was i was totally thrilled the fact that i could get something like that and he had once before given me vibhuti after materializing but he has he never given me a packet like that and and the way it just transpired was so beautiful and magical and i feel great so that was one thing right getting a vibhuti prasadam from him on the day of shivratri was very special the second was this 
after I, after the darshan i went out and near the ganesh mandir i was waiting there to receive my mother and my aunt who were on the lady side and they came back and i narrated to them exactly what happened and my aunt uh, her name is shrimati sucharita she was very moved when i told this because she said you know and I, and i gave them the vibhuti right it was a small packet of vibhuti i said hey swami directly gave this so why don't we all share it and take it and and she was very moved and she said you know just before i i came here i was talking to my daughter her uh, one of her daughters actually lives in the us and the previous day they were talking apparently and she told me that my daughter when i told her that i am going to puttaparthi for shivaratri she said why don't you bring why don't you get some vibhuti from there and then i told her saying hey listen i'm going only for half a day i'm going with nikhil there's going to be a lot of crowd there in puttaparthi so i will try to go to the stores and get some vibhuti but i'm not going to assure you i'm not going to promise so if i don't get vibhuti then don't mistake me i'm, I'm not going to promise it may not be possible so and now i'm giving her vibhuti with swami directly gave so she was totally thrilled as well and she's like i want to go back and tell my daughter and maybe even send some um so she was very happy so i just realized how perhaps swami was thinking of all this when he was looking at me and i just became an instrument there to just pass on that in 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 that beautiful incident right so that was the second reason and the third reason was of course it was in 2011 and it was february and that was my last darshan of swami in his physical form uh i could never see him again after that in his physical form so that remains in my mind for uh, another very special reason so that is the incident that came to my mind when you asked me dr jansen uh that's such a wonderful story i mean really wonderful and for me especially it brings back some you know those very crowded days i was there shivaratri also once and also i was a great scrambler you know i used to scramble around trying to get closer and closer and so it brings back those wonderful wonderful memories and that was of course before i was able to get a closer you know kind of a science seat up close but in those days you know getting up at 1 a.m. even you know 3 a.m. was well well worth it and we were so excited always just waiting as many hours as we needed to for him to show up and just a glance was always enough but you got it man you you got a really nice one yeah so that's just so nice so let's uh get on you know your topic uh for this evening going from swami to sai resonates with me for a number of reasons including the fact that spiritual progress is patently evolutionary and sometimes requires earnest devotees to really rely on blind faith and take the plunge into deeper uncharted waters as sai has said life is like a flight of steps towards the divine your foot is on the first step when you are born each day is a step that must be climbed He also said that it is a matter of shame that people stick to the same class year in and year out meaning that we must learn the secrets of the higher life as he said and push on to ever greater heights of devotion and wisdom so before you begin to talk in earnest about the topic please let us know why you chose this topic and what it means to you Thank you that's a beautiful uh, segue to what I had in mind when it when it comes to the topic itself and what you just exactly told about the flight of steps and not being in the same class again and again right mm-hmm. given the kind of uh, 
family background that I had as uh, as a as a growing boy, I was fascinated by Swami's personality. Right, I I used to hear so many stories about him, and I've always I always grew up with this perception of larger than life image of Swami. Of course, I used to you know go once or twice maybe to Puttaparthiya or to Brindavan to have his darshan through the year. But then for the rest of the year, I used to listen to so many stories about him on, on how he entered people's lives, how he guided them when they ran into troubles and they approached him for guidance and how he guided them and gave them some beautiful ways to maneuver around things. How he appeared in dreams, for instance. It, there were fascinating dreams that my family members used to narrate and tell how he gave them direction when they were really stuck between two paths to take and, and made it so easy for them. And, and of course, so many wonderful miracles that he had performed and he used to perform in the early days when they used to go visit him. You know, So to me, while I grew up, Swami was, was a hero of sorts. Like I never knew what God meant or, or never looked at him like a God or somebody. It was more like a hero. And I always used to be fascinated by his personality. So, I mean, just to share an example or two, there was, there's an aunt of mine who narrated this absolutely fascinating incident, which I, which I can never forget, where she said, I think the year was sometime, sometime late 40s, 1940s or 50s, where there were not too many people around in Puttaparthi and the whole family had gone there to Puttaparthi and they were sitting for darshan and, and Swami came out for darshan and while he was going around amongst the crowd, he noticed my uncle, which is my aunt's husband and pointed to him and said, get inside the interview room. And uh, he went inside the interview room and Swami went ahead with his darshan and after the darshan actually went inside the interview room and started to interact with him. It took a long time for, for them to come out. And then Swami actually came outside and called for Sevadal and said, please take him to his room. And they came and uh, they, they pretty much had to carry him and, and take him from the interview room to, to the room. And everybody there was like wondering, saying what really happened. Um, and then we understood that Swami took him inside the interview room. And while interacting with him, Swami asked him, uh, saying, you have hernia, isn't it? Right? He had a problem with hernia. And my uncle said, yes, I, I have hernia and it hurts me a lot. And I'm very bothered about it. He was very surprised, of course, that he had never informed that to Swami. Or nobody had informed that to Swami. And Swami was directly asking him for that. And when he said, yes, I do have this problem and it bothers me a lot and it's very, very painful, Swami actually waved his hand and, and materialized a trishul, you know, the, the hmm. of Ishwaral, materialized yeah. like a trishul. And then he made my uncle lie down and, and did a procedure and actually operated there in the interview room and removed the hernia. And then man, like, materialized a lot of vibhuti and applied on the vibhuti and said, nothing will happen. You will be fine. Take, go, go home and take rest. And, and asked for people's help to escort him to his room and pretty much did a surgery to him uh, in the interview room. And, and these sort of stories kind of, I had, of course, I, I asked, and this, this story was narrated to be my, my aunt and my uncle himself. And, 
and these were very fascinating to me as i grew up to say wow and and um, just to give another example my grandmother whom you just mentioned uh, shanti sundaram she was um, once in puttaparthi and she used to be a very very um, you know she used to be popular for singing bhajans there there are not too many people who sang bhajans and swami used to give her chance to sing bhajans all the time and she used to be one of the main singers of bhajans those days and and one particular occasion she was in puttaparthi but she did not go for bhajans and swami came for bhajans and he saw that she was not there and he sent word by uh, one of the other devotees to say why don't you go and check why is she not there here for singing bhajans and they came looking to where she was staying in the mandir and when they went there uh, and to inquire about hey sundarama why aren't you not there and the bhajan swami is actually asking for you she said i probably will not be able to come today i'll apologize to swami uh, the reason is i have a small child she had a baby boy and she said uh, the boy is having fever so i will not be able to come for bhajans today so my boy is having extremely high fever after the bhajan swami in fact came to the house there it was a, it's not as big a mandir those days there were very few people who stayed there and lived there so swami actually came there where she was there and said i heard that your boy is actually having fever what happened so my grandmother told her told him saying swami um he's having fever now i don't know i think i've given him medicine but he's still having fever so swami said do you have a thermometer why don't you go bring a thermometer and uh, she brought the thermometer and gave it to swami and swami put the thermometer inside uh, the boy's mouth to check the temperature and my my grandmother hesitantly told swami swami i think um the boy may not know how to you know manage the thermometer inside the mouth right it might be pretty dangerous he might even bite the thermometer off so why don't you keep the thermometer under in the underarms or something like that so swami said no no don't worry nothing will happen and you know just exactly like how she feared when they when he pulled out the thermometer he had actually bitten the thermometer and pretty much had swallowed the uh, portion which had the mercury in it yeah. so she was extremely disturbed by that and she she was furious on what had happened and she said swami what have you done like you know this can even mean the boy will be dead like it it can be harmful and what do i do now you have to do something and you have to save him now there's just no way for me and then swami is lovingly said don't worry don't get don't get worried so much and and uh, he created vibhuti put it on the boy's stomach and he rubbed the stomach multiple times and then soon enough the boy started to throw up the baby started to throw up and every every single piece of the thermometer actually came out and the boy was perfectly fine and swami said don't worry tomorrow by tomorrow he will be perfectly normal and the fever went away and so these were some of the stories that i heard while i grew up and i was always very fascinated by his personality and 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 what he did so when i went to puttaparthi i used to look at him so eagerly that you know i didn't want to miss a moment because anything can happen he can do anything so he's capable of doing anything so i wanted to get every single movement of him so i used to be very fascinated so that was the picture i had of swami when i grew up right so that's this personality and the charm that i that i used to carry in my mind about swami now that was me as a boy getting to know swami being to be aware of him slowly as i grew up 
I faced a lot of challenges myself in the states that I was in. Could be just that I wanted something that I couldn't get. Could be a toy that I wanted I couldn't get. Could be I faced it very hard to you know face the pressure of the school and examinations or whatever. There were so many small things that used to bother me, as with anybody else. But every time somebody said pray to Swami and he'll help you, or my mom said pray to Swami and he'll help you. the things that came to my mind were really these stories or incidents that i always imagined him to do but these in or or the situations that i faced were in some time in 1990s or like 2000 or something like that right so i wasn't able to physically go to swami to ask him for help just like how others in my family had access to him so the crowds were so much even if you go for darshan it you can hardly get to see him let alone him speaking to you or calling you for an interview or asking you what's bothering you right so in my mind i always kept questioning saying hey these people were all able to get the help from swami because they had so much physical proximity they enjoyed such good proximity with him he lent himself so much to them what do i do so what how does all these different experiences or stories or miracles that i've heard of swami through my family members or friends who've been with uh, swami for a long time so what happens because of all that so how am i going to benefit because of all that so my thought from then was you know how does this all translate to what i need right now so i was almost forced to start to talk to him without really having him in his physical form internally so and a lot of times that started to work and i cautiously say a lot of times because it's not like every single prayer gets answered the way you want right so but there were so many prayers that i had intensely made to him which were getting answered and i slowly started to realize that i don't need to be physically present in front of swami or having in person uh him asking me what i need i could just ask him even while i lived in bangalore for instance uh and ask him whatever i need at my own level and he will still answer so that i would say was my first unlock to swami's physical form that i don't need to have him in person there i can have him without him being in person i can still converse with him and i'll and share a very small example nothing really like life saving as an incident like how i narrated an earlier one but nevertheless this kind of reinforced my belief that i could converse with him and and things work out in a very different way in your favor sometimes which you would otherwise not imagine this particular incident was sometime in 2001 or 2002 I was uh, studying in a hostel I was away from Bangalore I was doing my engineering and and those days every time I came back home I used to visit Puttaparthi but I used to always take a friend along with me who has not been to Puttaparthi before right I used to have a lot of friends who used to ask about hey why do you go there what does he do why do you believe in him there were so many questions that they used to ask him and my answer always used to be okay dear listeners for next week we'll hear and Nikhil's answer to that saram to you all thanks for listening to this free fm podcast if you want to hear more content like this you can support free fm via patreon 
Head to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out more.